0: Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope this resource is a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Good morning, everyone. I always love listening to Aaron's messages and it's particularly fun when the kids are released to Sunday school watching Meg sprint out of this sanctuary like a rocket. She's excited for Sunday school. If you don't know me my name is dave bruner i'm one of the pastors here i'm so glad to be with you this morning and sharing the good news we want to offer a special greeting to everyone watching us online as well Uh, we're in the season of advent we're looking at those familiar advent stories about the coming of a messiah our reading for today comes from luke's gospel before i read it for you let's pray good and gracious god our father in heaven we ask lord that you would open our hearts your holy word today. Help us to hear it, to understand it, to apply it to our lives and everything we do. We ask this in the name of Jesus, who is the living word. Amen. So our scripture comes from Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 26. In the sixth month, The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary set out For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. So, the story that we just heard is called the Annunciation. And it tells us about two things it tells us about the angelic messenger who informs Mary of what God has planned for her. And it tells us about Mary's doubts, her struggles, and her ultimate decision to accept and affirm what God has chosen her to do. It's a beautiful story, this Annunciation, probably familiar to many of us and often heard this time of year. I believe this scripture has an important word for all of us as we journey toward Christmas. You can sum that up this way. We are all Mary. We are all Mary. Mary is not simply a character in a story who lived a million years ago. She is not an unattainable model of virtue standing head and shoulders above you and me. She is a role model for our faith. She is not only someone to be respected, she is someone to be imitated We are all Mary. And I want to talk about two particular ways I think that's true. First, like Mary, we are all recipients of God's grace. And second, like Mary, we are all recipients of God's call. Like Mary, we're all recipients of God's grace and of God's call. I'll tackle those in turn. So, first, we are all recipients of God's grace. This passage tells us about the miraculous grace God extends to Mary in choosing her to be the mother of the Savior. When the angel greets Mary, our English translation uses the word favor. So in verse 28, the angel says, greetings favored one, the Lord is with you. And in verse 30, he says, do not be afraid for you have found favor with God. Well, that's not a bad translation, but the Greek word rendered favor can also be translated as grace. It would be equally appropriate to translate this passage as greeting graced one. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid for you have found grace with God. And it makes sense that this would be the angel's greeting. The Bible is a story about God's persistent grace, particularly toward people who don't deserve it, and don't expect it. And his encounter with Mary in this story is no exception. Mary hadn't done anything in particular to earn God's favor in this way. At least the Bible doesn't tell us anything. As far as we know, she didn't have any education, she didn't have any particular beauty, she wasn't wealthy, none of that stuff. God chooses her, He extends His grace. To her. He comes into her life in this totally unexpected, surprising, joyful way. And you and I have received that grace too. Not to be sure in the, exactly the same way that Mary did, only Mary is the mother of the Messiah. But we are all recipients of God's grace. And in that sense, we are all Mary. God cares about us. God wants to come into our lives, not because of anything we've done, but simply out of his boundless grace and mercy and love. That's what God said to Mary. And because of Mary's faithfulness, God says that to all of us through the life and death of Jesus. God wants to show you his grace. Another way of putting the same point is this. Jesus wants to be born in your life. Jesus wants to be born in your life. Your imperfect life. Your real life with all of its mistakes and flaws and imperfections. Your life with your rocky marriage or your strained relationships. Your life with your bad temper or your bad health or your bad habits, or your bad breath. Your life with your disappointment and anger and hurt. Jesus wants to be born in that life. It's to you that Jesus says, greetings, graced one, do not be afraid. You have found grace with God. If Jesus didn't mind being born in a small barn, surrounded by animals and the smell of dung and feces, I'm quite sure he won't mind being born in your life, as flawed and imperfect as it may be. I once heard a story about a pastor who was keeping an eye on his kids while his wife did some Christmas shopping. And it was a Sunday afternoon, so like all pastors, and like a great many dads, he was watching a football game while also simultaneously taking a nap. And All of a sudden, his three kids barge in, and they say, Dad, we are putting on a Christmas play, and you need to watch us. he says, okay, mutes the television, and they proceed, in fact, to put on a Christmas play. There's Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. There's the angels. There's the shepherds. And finally, at the very end, his youngest child walks in, and uh, he's wearing Dad's bathrobe, and his arms are full of toys. And he says, I am all three wise men. And I bring you gifts of gold, circumstance, and mud. (laughs) Gold, circumstance, and mud. That's a great summary of God's grace. Jesus comes to us in our gold, in the very best of our lives. He comes to us in our circumstance, in the reality of our lives. And He comes to us in our mud, (laughs) in the worst of our lives. In your gold, your circumstance, and your mud, you are a recipient of God's grace, of God's favor. God wants to come in to your life and be born. Accept that grace, celebrate it, receive it with joy because it's good news. That's the first thing this passage has to say to us. The second thing is very similar to it. Like Mary, we are all recipients of God's call. We are all recipients of God's call. If you're like me, and you grew up in the church, or you've heard this story before, you might take Mary's response to God for granted. Gabriel shows up to Mary. He says, Mary, here's the deal. And Mary says, right, sure, got it, good. Gonna give birth to the Messiah. The reality is deeper and better. Some scholars think that Luke structures his story about Mary in the fashion of an Old Testament call story. You may know some of these, right? The stories like the call of Moses at the burning bush or the call of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. And in each of these Old Testament stories, the person God calls doesn't accept God's call right away. There's a struggle And in fact, the person involved usually offers an objection before they finally say okay. Isaiah only offers one objection. Moses famously makes about a million objections and manages to really irritate God in the process. I think we have to see Mary's story here in very much the same vein. When the angel appears the Bible says she's perplexed. That's not nearly strong enough. She's troubled. She's afraid. And when Gabriel tells her what God wants, she objects. She says, listen, Gabriel, I don't know if you know about the birds and the bees, but I can see a flaw in the plan that you have suggested. (laughs) Have you ever been invited to do something by someone that you really did not want to do? and you realize immediately that you actually have something scheduled for that time, so you have like a locked in excuse, and often the person will say, do you wanna come to my stamp collecting club? And you say, oh no, I have a thing, right? Right away you respond. I think that's what Mary's doing here. She's saying, well listen, there's a problem. I can see a flaw. Just like Moses and all the prophets, she struggles to accept God's call. And if we want to understand this passage, we have to see that for what it is. We have to see that Mary's obedience is not a foregone conclusion. We have to see that struggle and wait with bated breath to find out what she's going to do. And in the end, of course, Mary does say yes to God. And she says these beautiful words found only in Luke. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Mary does hear God's call, and she responds with faith and obedience. Now, once again, Mary's story is unique. Only she is the mother of the Lord. And yet, on the other hand, Mary's story is not at all unique. We are all Mary. We are all recipients of the divine call. God comes to each of us, inviting us to play a role in his kingdom. And the more I study the Bible, the more I'm astonished by that. Two basic truths of scripture. One, God is all powerful. God is powerful beyond measure. He can do whatever he wants. And second, God chooses to work through people. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? God chooses to work through people, through Abraham and Moses and David, through Elijah and Jeremiah and Isaiah, through John and Peter and Paul and Mary. And God is here today inviting you to let him work through you. Whoever you are, wherever you're at on your journey of faith, God has a call for your life. God has a mission and a purpose for you that is unique, that cannot be duplicated or replaced by somebody else. And like Mary, you can say yes to that call. You can say yes and be used by God. Now it's true, hearing God's call can be a little bit tricky Mary had the benefit of the angel Gabriel standing right in front of her, telling her what God wanted. Most of us don't have it quite that easy. How do we recognize God's call when it comes? Um, There's no foolproof method, but there are a few clues I'll share with you. The call of God invites us to greater commitment. And in particular, the call of God invites us again and again to move from casual faith to committed faith to become more and more invested in Jesus and his kingdom. And so that's one sign of God's call. If you're feeling curious about how to grow in your relationship with Jesus, if you're feeling a holy curiosity or holy discontent, that's a sign the Spirit's working in your life and calling you to something deeper. So two great ways to respond to that call, if you hear them, are to join a small group or to attend the great banquet retreat. Those are very simple, concrete ways you can grow in commitment. God's call invites us to greater commitment, and God's call invites us to greater witness, to new and better and more powerful ways we can shine the light of Jesus in our dark world. And that can take a lot of forms. It might be something as simple as um, finding a way to to witness to a friend or relative, invite them to church, or just have a conversation about faith. It might be service, um, making room in your life to serve in the community, serve with one of our mission partners, with Loaves and Fishes or Hesed House. It might mean responding to a need that we read about in our community. I was so delighted when people from this church began to approach Becca and I to ask if we could do something about the refugee crisis in Chicago. I took it that that was a sign the Spirit was working on them and I'm thrilled that we've been able to do that together. God's call invites us to greater risk. This one is usually the hardest for responsible Presbyterians. God's call usually moves us from a posture of safety to a posture of risk taking. Indeed, It's my experience that God's call usually invites us three or four big steps outside our comfort zone. In my ministry career, every call from God, especially the call to step forward to leadership in the body of Christ, has felt a little uncomfortable, a little bit risky. The first time I led a small group, the first time I preached a sermon, the first time I visited someone in the hospital, and in my experience, it's often true for lay people as well to step forward for leadership in the church. But every time I answered God's call, I felt my faith grow and deepen, and I think it'll be the same for you. Lastly, and most importantly, God calls us to greater joy. God's call is a call to joy. When God calls us to something, whether it's ministry in the church, whether it's faith in him, whether it's to a new form of witness, it's always a call to deeper joy. And you see this in the story of Mary, I think. bearing the Messiah was a risk. It was a step of faith for her. But when she said yes, it was also a path of joy. She got to bear the Messiah. She got to hold the Holy One of Israel in her arms. Answering God's call can be a risk, but it will lead us to the joy of being used by God in new and powerful ways. And I think that's the best feeling there is. Thank you for listening. For more information on how to get connected, please visit our website at knoxpres.org. That is k-n-o-x-p-r-e-s.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify.